0: Always been a rebel From deep down in the south I get in my share of trouble For what comes out of my mouth Well, I call them like I see them And maybe I come on too strong Well, you got your opinion And the right to say I'm wrong But that's the way I am What you see is what you get I'm a free-thinking bear Drinking politically incorrect Redneck
1: Hey, how's everybody doing out there?
0: Now I don't hate nobody. I don't mean to stir things up, but if I don't use the right words, I ain't sensitive enough. It's gotten too damn easy to step on people's toes. You should... a breaker one nine, this here's a
2: rubber duck. You got a copy on me, big fan? come on. Oh yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we've got us a convoy. Let them truckers roll 10-4. We got a mighty convoy, broken through the
3: night. Yeah, we got a
0: mighty convoy, ain't you a beautiful sight? Come on and join our convoy.
1: The People's Convoy. For immediate release, American Truckers are launching the People's Convoy, a peaceful and unified transcontinental movement on February 23rd from Adelanto Stadium in Southern California. This was on February 20th. American Truckers are launching the People's Convoy, a peaceful and unified. Transcontinental Movement on Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022 from the Atalanto Stadium in Southern California starting at 10 a.m. Hundreds of truckers will hear words of encouragement and blessings from a group of speakers, including FLCCC President Dr. Pierre Corey, that's from the Frontline Doctors, and God Speak Church Pastor Rob McCoy. The truckers and blue collar workers of the United States will be joined by freedom-loving supporters from all walks of life, including frontline doctors, lawyers, first responders, former military servicemen and women students, retirees, mothers, fathers, children, and on this peaceful and law-abiding transcontinental journey toward the East Coast. The truckers encourage one and all come out to the stadium in the heart of Atalanto, California to wish them well and see them off and join in on the journey. This convoy is about freedom and unity, The truckers are riding unified across party and state lines and with people of all colors and creeds, Christians, Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, Mormons, agnostics, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, Republicans, Democrats. All individuals are welcome to participate by either attending the launch gathering or by getting their own vehicles and following the big rigs to the East Coast. The message of the People's Convoy is simple. In the last 23 months of the COVID-19 pandemic have been a rough road for all Americans to travel. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, and not least financially. With the advent of the vaccine and workable therapeutic agents, along with the hard work of so many sectors that contributed to declining COVID-19 cases and severity of illness, it is now time to reopen the country. The average American worker needs to be able to end-run the economic hardships of the last two years and get back to the business of making bread so they can pay their rents and mortgages and help jumpstart this economy. To that end... It's time for elected officials to work with the blue-collar and white-collar workers of America and restore accountability and liberty by lifting all mandates and ending the state of emergency as COVID is well in hand now and Americans need to get back to work in a free and unrestricted manner. That was the uh, press release from the People's Convoy, peoplesconvoy.org. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Jerry Schickling, your Politically Incorrect Redneck, and uh, we know the convoy is on the road right now, and they're basically down in the, uh, just outside of Maryland and D.C., area. God bless them. We've got a little bit more coming up on that. But it's all about the cancellation of life as we know it in America. And they're succeeding. They're making things happen. People are uniting. Uh, we've got tons of challenges we're facing right now. But it's just a great to see the, the red-blooded Americans get together, have a good time, and just protest and let the government know that uh, they work for us, we don't work for them. Welcome to the Politically Incorrect Redneck Podcast. We're available Just about anywhere you get your podcast, Google, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, all that fun stuff. So if you want to join us here, that would be fantastic. You can also visit us at politicallyincorrectredneck.com or teampir.com. We have some great new stuff coming up later on that we're going to talk to you about. And today, it's been a little while. Man, things come at you so fast. You just, by one time, you have a lot of stuff you want to talk about. By the next day, it's almost doubled and things change just so quickly. So I'm just going to kind of go over some stuff today that I've been thinking about, and, and a lot of it's in the news right now, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Second Amendment, some things going on there, have an interesting story that I, I want to tell about uh, a friend of mine that gave me a call. We're going to talk about the, the fraud and the corruption that is the government, CDC, the NIH, and of course, our friend, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Yeah, that's him. And uh, actually, Dr. Fouchenstein, I guess we'd better call him, because this guy's responsible for deaths of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people uh, around the world because of his bogus, phony crap. So anyhow, so we're going to talk about that. And uh, we'll get a little bit of country music stuff at the end. Got an interesting take on the ACM Awards, which is actually airing tonight. This is March 7th. Uh, We'll talk about that here after a bit, too. But anyhow, as far as some of the fun stuff, the People's Convoy. Let's go back to that for a second here. This is their Trucker's Declaration okay? And you can find them on uh, the peoplesconvoy.org and at teampir.com or politicallyincorrectredneck.com. I'll have all the links to this stuff, so you can make it easy for you to go in there and find it. Click the podcast tab. All these links will be there for you to uh, be able to check this stuff out on your own. But uh, outside of that press release, the trucker's declaration, they say, we the people of the United States, in order to restore our once perfect union, reestablish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense." of all promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty, do ordain and establish the restoration movement of the People's Convoy for the United States of America. We demand the declaration of national emergency concerning the COVID-19 pandemic be lifted immediately and our cherished Constitution reigns supreme. We are the people of the United States of America and we stand together under the banner of freedom and freedom is one thing that unites us all. Liberty flows through all of our veins. Who are we? Who are these people in the convoy? Here's Here we go. We are truckers, moms, students, nurses, doctors, doctors, investors, county workers, teachers, cowboys, loggers, engineers, sanitation workers, professors, cashiers, flight attendants, pilots, sales reps, physical therapists. We are fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, married, single, divorced, separated, gay, straight. We are black, white, Asian, Native American. We are immigrants, natives. We are citizens of the free world. To our elected officials that believe they rule us, you work for us. Our Constitution was written to provide enough power to act on a national level, but not enough to deprive the people of fundamental rights. The people are prepared to see this challenge through as we have seen through all challenges to our freedom in the past. And we will prevail and prosper. To our brave and courageous neighbors to the north, our Canadian brothers and sisters who led the charge, we join your call for freedom with the People's Convoy. Let the golden light of liberty burn bright. Let freedom roll. So there you have it. That's what they're about. Fully support the everything that's going on there. I wish it maybe would have uh, came a little closer to the, old, uh, the home domicile here, because I might've been able to get out there and get on an overpass and wave them on. But anyhow, there's tons of people doing that. The latest update, here's some things that have been going
0: on. Truckers from across the country are rolling in to protest against COVID restrictions and government mandates. Some are just showing up for support. Now this is a live traffic map. It starts at the Beltway and zooms into the Hagerstown Speedway. It is all green right now, but earlier today that wasn't the case as crowds got larger. Our Tom Dempsey is at Hagerstown Speedway to give us a closer look at what's happening.
4: Everybody's happy. Really it's kind of like a a tailgate before a big uh, football game.
2: At Hagerstown Speedway on Saturday, the crowd for the People's Convoy only seemed to grow larger.
5: You know, I'm really here to support the truckers, all the mandates put on them. Me and my son, we came uh, came here from uh, the Albany area.
2: I came up from
4: Southwest Mississippi.
2: Hundreds of trucks and even more supporters, all part of a protest that first started its journey days ago in California and now plans to head to the D.C. region. This whole gathering, what is this all about?
4: This is about getting it back our freedoms.
6: I've talked to a few truckers, and there are different specific goals from the mandate to general government overreach.
5: What I see happening here is that people want their rights, they, they want their freedom back. Lisa!
2: Organizers refused to speak to WSA 9 about specific plans for the convoy, but the gathering on Saturday involves speeches, music and signs of support as the departure to the Capitol gets closer. While many trucks still remain out here at Hagerstown Speedway, as of Saturday night, the exact details of this event, this convoy heading to D.C. still remained a little bit up in the air. But the supporters here hope the gathering could send a strong message.
6: It's about God-loving, everyday working people being able to raise their own children the way they see fit. This is a large
5: enough group that they can't ignore us.
2: Tom Dempsey, WUSA9. Let them truckers roll ten four.
1: Let them truckers roll. Man, fighting tyranny, fighting tyranny every day. Who would have ever thought in? Uh, in our time and age that we would constantly, constantly have to be battling the back against these, uh, these hacks and and these liberals and these Marxists just to have a, just to live a basic normal life when we just want to be left alone. But God bless those truckers and uh, that's exciting. And, you know, and it's more than just about the uh, the mandates and uh, the masks and the phony vaccine stuff and all that goofy stuff going on. But it's also about the canceling, not letting the truth get out there. And that's that's been a biggest issue and the biggest pet peeve for a lot of folks for the last couple of years, even before that. But it's really expanded. They really jumped their shark. I believe the the Democratic Party and the liberals and the Marxists have really, really jumped the shark on the canceling thing. Uh, So I decided myself that I was going to do some canceling. So when it was announced by AT&T and DirecTV that they were no longer going to up their contract with One American News Network, I said, you know what? It's enough of this stuff. They don't determine where I want to get my information. They should just be putting it out there. People are smart enough to choose for themselves. That's why we have so many issues right now, and I just I just shake my head at people because they don't get the facts. They watch their CNNs, Fox News. I'm not a Fox News fan. I don't watch Fox News, but I'm smart enough to know when things don't smell right. I called the BS flag on a lot of this mask and vaccine information uh, for, for quite a while now. But I decided I was canceling, going to finally cancel my DirecTV, so I'm canceling them. I had DirecTV for 28, going on 29 years. Installed it myself way back then. Bought the system at Walmart, if you can believe that. Climbed up on my roof, did the whole shooting match. Got her all up and running, and I've had it ever since. But the announcement of this, uh, them getting dumping uh, One American News Network, I decided it was time for me to start my own cancellation project. So we are doing full streaming now, and uh, actually we had a small transition period to figure everything out, uh, even for us old folks, but we've got her down. Actually, we're really loving the streaming. I have more available now channel-wise and, and show-wise that I could ever be begin to watch half the price of what TV was costing me for all the different things I'm doing. Screw them, cancel them, they're gone. But there was an article... on a site called LawEnforcementToday.com, which kind of uh, nails a little bit of this. And it was written by Jim Patrick. Now, that is a pseudonym. uh, He was a former retired police chief. Due to employment and safety concerns, you know, he'd like to remain anonymous. And being a former law enforcement, he is. I'm sure that that you can understand that. But his piece starts out that in January, Democrats and the lamestream media prematurely celebrated the demise of One American News after it was announced it was not renewed by DirecTV, an affiliate. Of ATT. Amazingly, in a country which prides itself on being a bastion of free speech, the left was giddy over the news as reported by Newsmax of all places. However, underneath the hype, there is apparently much more to the story. Oh and, and oh the title of of this article is actually Think Direct TV Trying to Eliminate OAN is only about money, better think again. Former Fox business anchor Lou Dobbs reminded his followers that Biden had issued a call earlier that week for media companies to silence dissent. And here's a quote Corporate media is crushing what little dissent remains. DirecTV cancels OAN after Joe Biden orders media outlets and tech giants to banish voices that deviate from the regime's official narrative, Dobbs tweeted. Now, I don't have time to go into this whole article, so I you know, I recommend you get to the, go to the website and, and check this out and uh, read it for yourself. He goes on to say here, In order to fully understand why AT&T is seeking to launch OAN, and don't be surprised if Fox News and Newsmax follow, all one needs to do is look into a man named William Kennard, who was named chairman of AT&T's board of directors on November 6, 2020, a mere three days after the presidential election. Now, who is Kennard? If you say a Democrat Party hack, you would be correct. According to Vision Times, Kennard, at the time of his appointment, sat on the board of Ford Motor Company, MetLife, Duke Energy, and Staple Street Capital. Now, Staple Street Capital is a private equity firm that purchased a little old company that I think you folks have probably heard about. It's called Dominion Voting Systems, and they bought it in 2018. Kennard is also mentioned as closely tied to the Democrat Party. And, of course, uh, with Dominion, it should be noted six most important states in the 2020 election considered swing states. Where the election was turned, now he said, "turned." I'm saying stolen because it was—it was fraudulent. There's no way 81 million people voted for uh, resident in chief right now. But Dominion voting machines were used in each one of those states: Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And goes on to say here, why is that important? And for one, OAN has been a frequent critic of the Biden administration. Imagine that. Get canceled. You're not allowed to say anything nasty. Moreover, OAN was probably the leading media voice which tied possible malfeasance. By Dominion Voting Systems tied into the 2020 presidential election. You need to get in there, read that article. Uh, it's on uh, lawenforcementtoday.com. Uh, the article goes into a lot more depth of other companies and organizations that all tie together. Canceled. Canceled my DirecTV. Highly recommend any of you folks do that too. I'm uh, just tired of it. TV's been been a pain in the butt lately anyhow. So no more. Gone. Gonzo. See ya. Don't want to be ya. Uh, and then, of course, you know they talk about the election stolen. I mentioned eighty-one million votes. That's a joke. Who would, in the right mind, voted? And and speaking of uh, Joe Biden, I mean this guy. Honest to goodness, people. Seriously, if you voted for this guy, and it's more, it's your right, it obviously. But if you're voting for these people, and I've mentioned it before, just because you are a specific political party not because of what their policies and what they want to do and what their track record is for this country then i feel bad for you i feel bad for your kids and your grandkids because of what you're doing to them and that's what it comes down to but as far as joe biden this guy what a pure genius what a pure genius here you go
6: and so we have a choice one way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make americans poor i think i have a better idea to fight inflation
0: what the hell is supposed to do, you
6: moron?
1: Lower your costs, not your wages. Lower your costs, not your wages. When was the last time the freaking government ever lowered their costs? Lower the costs. It shows these people have absolutely no clue on what makes this economy run. Absolutely none. They're just clueless, stepping. Oh, I. I I better get off right now, off into a break before I get too wound up here. So anyhow, we'll be right back. Look forward to seeing you here right around the corner. Right, the Second Amendment. There's a lot of things going on. uh, I'm going to get to a story here in just a second uh, about a friend of mine that called me. Kind of interesting and and thought-provoking stuff. Lee uh, Williams, the gun writer, wrote an article here uh, on his... Substack page, which I highly recommend if you want to get some really good uh, background reporting on a lot of things going on in the Second Amendment community to go ahead and give uh, give Lee a shout out there on his Substack page. It's under the gun writer. Basically, the title of his article here is ATF must choose whether to cover for Biden or comply with federal law. There you go. Okay. this was on February 11th, and he wrote in late June, Joe Biden announced a new zero tolerance policy for rogue gun dealers who he claimed were responsible for skyrocketing violent crime rates in major cities historically controlled by Democrats. Of course, the violence wasn't caused by weak prosecutors who refused to hold criminals accountable or gangs or underfunded police departments or by any combination thereof. It was all the fault of rogue gun dealers, quote unquote, who Biden claimed willfully transferring firearms to prohibited persons and or refused to cooperate with the tracing requests. Now, think about that. I'm going to talk about that here in in just a second. About the tracing request from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. Biden's illogical rant produced a bit of head scratching among the gun rights community. After all, why target federal firearms licensees who are arguably the most heavily regulated federal license holders? If Joe really wanted to reduce violent crime, why not go after the real criminals instead, such as 100,000 documented gang members living in Chicago? Hit them with federal RICO statutes or fire the cowardly prosecutors who won't send him to prison or both? It made no sense unless, of course, Biden's entire plan was nothing more than a pretext to make life even more hellish for American gun owners, which we all know was the case. However, saying that a president is lying and proving that he's lying are two different things, and uh, we went for the proof. This is from Lee Williams. Okay, so here's what they did. To vet the Biden's uh, rogue gun dealer theory, The Second Amendment Foundation's investigative journalism project immediately sent a Freedom of Information Act, which, of course, is a FOIA, F-O-I-A, to ATF seeking the following. One, copy of documents that show the number of federal firearms licensees, or FFLs, and their state of residence who have been prosecuted for willfully transferring a firearm to prohibited person over the past three years. And here he's listening from June, uh... 23rd to June 23rd, 2018 and 2021, and number two copies of documents that show the number of FFLs and their state of residence who have been prosecuted for ignoring and/or refusing to cooperate with a tracing request. There's that term again, tracing request from the BATFE over the past three years, same dates. So it appears that uh, the ATF is delaying their response to the uh, request, the FOIA request from. The Second Amendment Foundation, uh, he puts in here, four months have passed without word from the ATF, not even an acknowledgment that they had received a FOIA request. Then in October, the ATF finally admitted it had received a request but warned it might take even longer to process. Now, a little bit earlier in the article, uh, Lee mentions how he has done, because of his background and his occupation of being an investigative journalist, he has filed numerous FOIA requests, and uh, these are very simple. They've been able, over his time and experience, been able to uh, narrow down, just perfect the request so that it saves a lot of time. And it's obvious that the ATF is just dragging their feet on this. See, the, the Freedom of Information Act is a federal law, and uh, ATF is a federal law enforcement agency, and they're responsible for enforcing federal law, you know. And in a perfect world, that alone should be enough reason for them to quickly comply with any and all FOIA requests. But unfortunately, as you can imagine... Their world is far from perfect. So, uh, well, here we go. The Biden-Harris administration has weaponized the agency and given it specific orders to infringe upon our rights to keep and bear arms. That much is abundantly clear. No law, especially one as anemic as the federal FOIA statute, will stop the ATF from targeting gun owners and gun dealers. And then he wraps it up here and it says options and it says the ATF is a trick bag of sorts. They can comply with federal law and provide the documents which will likely reveal that Biden's rogue gun dealer policy is just a... Ruse concocted by anti gunners, or they can continue to deny and delay the FOIA request even though their actions violate federal law. And he says here, I'm starting to wonder if there's anyone left at the ATF who even cares about such things. So, as, as this leads into the story about the phone call I had and talked to talked with a friend of mine. He had called me and was asking me a couple questions. He had had a message at at his place of work, actually, not even his cell phone because they didn't have that. But at his place of work, uh, he had a call from a police department looking for him. And so, of course, he was like, what the heck's going on here? And when he got back in touch with the police department, talked with them, here a firearm that he had owned was used in a shooting uh, somewhere. Now, I don't know if there was actually a a murder, homicide, or uh, just a shooting. But anyhow, they were uh, asking him about this gun. Now, here's the thing about the gun. He hadn't had owned that gun for five years, going on five years. And he had legally traded it in at an FFL uh, on another gun. So he had no idea at that point. It was no longer legally his, and it was definitely in the... uh, possession of a licensed FFL. Well, if you don't think that the ATF and the government and your state are making lists or or developing lists of gun owners and such, uh, that's been a joke for a long time. I mean, it's a violation of law, if you ask me. This This is very troubling that, you know, if they were tracing back this firearm, it should have gone no further, in my opinion, then the FFL that the current owner or whoever had it at the time of this the this, uh, this shooting, uh, it should have stopped at that FFL because once it was transferred back to them with all the paperwork and all the crap that they make you go through, then it should, it should not have gone on back to this guy who had previously owned it and originally bought it. Once he turned it or, or, or traded it in at the FFL, that should have been it. No more record done. That gun now is going to belong to somebody else, and uh, that's it. Game over. But we know that there's lists out there. And this is something we really need to be aware of, and maybe put a little more focus on. There's a, a great new book called the, or uh, titled "The Right to Bear Arms" by Stephen Howlbrook. And right in chapter one, he uh, he writes here: uh, While it is a universal law of history that tyrants attempt to disarm their subjects. The Americans were cognizant of the disarming measures taken by the kings in the 17th century England. Those measures took various forms from laws imposing property qualifications. And back then, uh, what he means by that is uh, pretty much only the wealthy had guns. If you owned a certain amount of property, then you were qualified to own, own a firearm. Or, or, or weapons, and if you were just a little plebe, little regular old Joe Bag of Donuts in those days, well, then you weren't qualified to own a firearm. So that's what that means. Um, and, uh, but he says those measures, uh, again, those measures took various forms from laws imposing property qualifications to possess firearms to searches for and confiscation of firearms. And that is what tyrants do. And so uh, I, I knew a lot of the regulations here, but I thought, you know, let me just do a little research and to see how deep this goes. So I was curious about how long uh, they keep the NICS checks. Uh, that's a national instant check system called uh, NICS system to keep the purchase records. And in a little article back, this is back in 2018, by a man named Dan Zimmerman uh, on thetruthaboutguns.com. It says here, records of successful transactions, now that means you passed your background check, are kept for 24 hours. In other words, if you submit the paperwork to buy a firearm and the background check is submitted to their database, it's only retained for 24 hours before being deleted if you weren't denied. However, the number of transactions and the dates are kept on file for 90 days. Okay, so the current law prohibits the FBI, the ATF, or any federal agency, department, or officer from using NICS data to create firearm owner registry of any sort. However, it's a whole other ball game for FFLs, okay? Uh, FFL license holders, specifically those holding the buyer-seller license, has to maintain copies of all ATF 4473 forms. That's the one you fill out to buy or otherwise take possession of a firearm. Have to have that, hold that for at least 20 years, and if the FFL holder ceases doing business, they have to send all of their 4473 records to the ATF. If I'm not mistaken, Hunter Biden lied on, an, on, on a 4473 to purchase a gun because he checked the little box that said he was not addicted or a habitual user of narcotics quote, or some, some, uh, or drugs and, of course, was a total lie. So at this point, just with that little, uh, that's a felony. He should be in jail for that. That's just a side note. So anyhow, that's how NICS records are kept, or at least that's what the laws tell us. What's mandated and what actually happens can be two different things. You may not like the NICS system. How about the retention period? Sound about right to you? Yeah, right. Uh, Are you the cynical type who thinks they already have a gun registry and are waiting to use it? So there you go. Check that article out. Uh, I actually went to the ATF website just to get the official statement, and the the first line on the... uh, on the segment about how long are licenses required to maintain ATF Forms 4473, or excuse me, how long are licensees required to maintain ATF forms. Licensees shall retain each ATF Form 4473 for a period of not less than 20 years after the date or sale of disposition. And if said uh, uh, forms are, are still being held for all those years, you think that the federal government can't just say subpoena, Bingo, we want to check your records. Think they don't have lists? <laughs> yeah, they have lists. And here's, here's from uh, here in, in my home state of Pennsylvania. We have also what's called the PICS uh, system, which is a Pennsylvania instant check system. Okay, And straight off of the state police firearms records, which they're the ones that the, runs this PICS system, uh, the Firearms Division maintains records on firearms licensing and transfers. It doesn't say they get rid of them. This should be destroyed as soon as the person is approved. But the PICS system says the firearms division maintains records on firearms licensing and transfers. Sounds like a list to me. And then I found a uh, little blurb on a site called runyoncanyon.losangeles.com. And there's a little question here. It says, can a gun be traced to its owner and uh, their answer here is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives operates an electronic tracing system often called E-Trace that is used to find the person who first legally purchased a recovered weapon. If a gun shop goes out of business, the owner is required to send all of its 4473 forms to the ATF. So there you go to the first person who legally purchased a firearm. Now, again, once my friend's firearm was traded in, now, like I said, this is my opinion. I'm going to be doing a little more research on this because I, I'm I'm throwing the BS flag on this. I mean, big time. Because uh, if if he legally traded that in, and that FFL took the uh, took possession of it at that point, it should have been done. His name shouldn't even been there. So uh, I don't know. It's interesting stuff. I'm definitely going to check on. It. I know one thing that it is though. Oh shit. Yeah, no doubt about that. We'll we'll do a little more checking on that. But that's something to be aware of. Uh, that's going on out there in Second Amendment world And also, you know, and just to get off that subject a little bit, I wanted to talk about uh, real quick uh, as we wrap up this segment, uh, something that comes up a lot for the fun bumper sticker term, people call it situational awareness and and all that fun stuff, which just means being aware of your surroundings, no matter where you are. You see all kinds of carjackings and and, and people getting mugged at gas stations, ATMs, because people typically aren't paying attention. And when you're driving around or walking, you can see these folks, headphones on, earbuds in, not paying any attention, staring at that dang little 3x5 screen that they have in their hand, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable to attack. But before I get to that one point, there's something I wanted to bring up about a product I've seen advertised. Now, I am not going to give you the name of the product because I do not recommend this in, in any shape or form. But it's uh, here's, here's how they uh, describe this less than lethal, let's say non-lethal self-defense device. They say, looks like a gun, performs like a gun, but it's designed to be non-lethal. Now, if you see this thing, they're correct. It looks like a gun. It might be a red color uh, with some black accents to it, but that means nothing in today's world of modern firearms and handguns. You get you can get flags, you can make purple, pink, black, red, green, whatever color you want. So the color itself, although there was normally what they would call blue guns and different things for training purposes, that really has no bearing anymore because these things come in a variety of colors. There was one company that made a handgun that looked like Legos, and boy did uh, did that blow up the, the heads of all the all the liberals and the Marxists, A uh, handgun that looked like a made out of legos but anyhow this thing like i said looks like a gun performs like a gun well in my humble opinion if you happen to pull because i see the laws of self-defense work in a lot of different ways if you happen to pull this quote unquote looks like a gun non-lethal gun on somebody uh, you know wanting to use the oc spray in that for uh for your self-defense okay but if you pull this gun and it looks that real which this thing pretty much does does that Person that you pulled that on, now do they have the opportunity, thinking that they are in fear of death or great bodily injury? Do they now have the right under the self defense laws to shoot you because they think you pulled a gun on them? You see where that could get you into trouble. So if you see stuff like this, everybody wants to come up with all these cool little tricky things, but if if someone would pull this gun on me, an attempt for anything you know and of course you'll have criminals that'll misuse these as always but if you would happen to pull this on somebody it's my humble opinion again that that gives the person you pulled that non-lethal, looks like a gun, performs like a gun thing out and pointed at him. well, then that's a real good chance that they could pull their legally owned firearm and pop you and put you down. And they would probably have a good case of self-defense because uh, the rule of self-defense is what a reasonable person would do in that situation. So if somebody pulls a gun, reasonable person, if they're armed and are trained, they would probably use that gun uh, to uh, to put you down. So it's just not a good idea. I highly recommend recommend if you're looking for something non-lethal definitely and, and even a better better item all around is the it's called the dad D A D defense alert device and it contains an extremely powerful OC type spray it has a uh, flashlight, a real extremely bright LED light that you can use to deter or you know slow down an attacker. And it also has a very cool little uh, GPS device in it that you get on, you get the app. Uh, if that happens to be deployed, if that tiger light device, if, if you happen to deploy the, the spray that's in it, what it automatically do will send a signal, a GPS of your GPS coordinates to anybody within your network or whoever, even people in that general area you may be in that have the Tiger Light app. It would let them know that Trump, trouble happened, something was going on you had to deploy that device and you can locate you know exactly where it happened where it came from so you can take immediate action to try to help them so that is what i recommend if you're going to go with a non-lethal type thing this thing is almost perfect fits right in your hand you can carry it, it looks just like a flashlight it's it's very nondescript and you can uh, uh like i said you can keep it while you're riding a bike while you're walking the dog it covers a lot of different angles so i highly recommend you check that out it's at tigerlight.net tigerlight.net i will uh, i'll put that link up there for you too they're not a sponsor i just really really think this is a great product. I have one myself, my wife has one, keep it handy. So it's it's definitely a good a good item. But man, don't fall for this other stuff. You pull a fake gun, you know how many people you can probably go back, you can search different stories of, of kids or even, you know, people on dope or drugs or whatever that might have a fake gun but they pull it in an aggressive manner towards a police officer, they get shot dead or injured by the cops. Well, the cops only have split seconds to save their own life. So if you would happen to pull a, uh, this uh, looks like a gun type deal. And on a police officer or anybody, you know, like I said, any just a regular citizen, get ready for the action because it, uh, I think you might just open up a poop storm. So with that, I just want a little clip from uh, from the United States Concealed Carry Association. It's kind of a good, a good little reminder about situational awareness. This is from Chip Eberhardt. And uh, he basically is talking about the big city situational awareness. But this works anywhere anymore. I don't care where you're going. You're traveling, gas stations, hotels, parking lots, malls, wherever you might be, this is really, really good, just a good reminder.
6: Hi, Chip Eberhardt, Concealed Carry Magazine, City Limits. Let's talk about situational awareness in the big city. No, no headphones in the car. No phone when you're coming to the lights. You've got to be aware of your situation at all times. You can't afford to have something plugging up your ears or plugging up your vision, especially in the big city. When you come to a stoplight, it's not time to open up the phone and start looking at your app. You've got to keep your head out of your app. What you want to do is you want to start scanning. You want to use all of your mirrors to find out who's coming near your car. If you're not looking through your mirrors, you're in condition white which means you're totally unaware of what's happening around you. So again, you need to have your ears clear, you need to have your eyes clear, and whenever you stop, you need to continuously scan from mirror to mirror to mirror, from mirror to mirror to mirror, so that you're not surprised. Also, make sure that you keep the appropriate gap between you and the car in front of you. If you can't see the bottom of their wheels, you're too close. If you can't see the bottom of their wheels, that means you don't have enough room to maneuver around them in case of an emergency situation. An emergency situation may be somebody coming towards your car to carjack you. When you go to the gas station, here's two things I see all the time. One, is that people, after they put the hose into the car, they look at it or they stand there. That gas is going to flow in there without you looking at it. And again, now you're in condition white. So put it in. And then this is the second thing I see. People don't realize that with the height of their vehicle, when you're this close, someone can come into your blind spot. You need to step back so that you can see around the vehicle. You don't want anybody to surprise you by just popping up in your blind spot. And when you're at the mall or anywhere in public where you may assume to be safe, you can't be distracted. You can't have these on your head. You can't have this in your hand. You've got to be able to focus. Now, I'm not saying be paranoid, but you've got to be able to focus on what's going on around you. That's what we call Condition Yellow. Again, not paranoid, but just aware of what's going on around you. Because what happens next is Condition Orange. Condition Orange is a gift that you get only if you're in Condition Yellow. So if you're aware of what's been going on, then you become alerted. In Condition Orange, now your focus is gonna be on that perceived threat until you know no threat exists. Because what we're trying to stay out of is Condition Red. Condition Red, Blood red—that's a fight for your life. And if you fail that, you go to condition black. Condition black—that's a dirt nap. Slow singing, flower bringing. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Chip Everhart, Conceal Carry Magazine, City Limits. See you next time. I'm
0: a little-
1: keep your head out of the app. Keep your head out of your app. I love that. I'll be right back. Let's take the country back, man. I tell you what, this, as you can see, basically, you know, with the, with the trucker convoy and all the things that are going on out there, people are finally, I think they're pushing it, pushing us too far. I really believe that they're pushing us too far. Of course they pushed me too far a long time ago because I don't believe half their BS because they're lying. They're lying to you. Doctor Fauci is lying to you. Whatever happened to Dr. Burks, remember the scarf lady? Where has she been hiding? You know? And here's the thing, folks, the facts are starting to come out about COVID, about the the original creation of COVID of the BS that they were pulling about the the, uh, the vaccines, the efficacy of the vaccines, the mask, all of this stuff. Was COVID real? Uh, absolutely COVID was real. And a lot of us and probably just about everybody knows someone that was affected one way or another by it, but it's how it was handled. And it was the overhype and the fear factor that was in there designed for one reason, and that is control. Remember the two weeks of flattened the curve, well, once they found out, people would just get right in there and, you know, follow along with those edicts and just scare the heck out of them. And once they realized, uh, well, two weeks, that's all you needed. And then it became two months and then two years. And the people, you even see them out there today. They're still out there. Yeah. You see them every day. But anyhow, driving along all by themselves with their mask. You want to wear a mask? Great okay? It just kind of lets us know where you where your head's at and, and how you've been affected. Do they work? Basically, no. Never have. COVID, folks that have got COVID, yes, there have been some serious problems and some deaths and all that related to it, but it's never been exactly as bad as they try to portray it. So, and, and things happen so fast anymore with the information coming, but, but as I mentioned before on on other things, they've jumped the shark on the COVID thing. The facts are coming out, but the cancel culture has stopped a lot of that, and we know that, and that's where... Well, you've got to get your head out of your app, as Chip Eberhardt would say. I love that. That that little comment, but there, there's places to get information, and and you can learn for yourself. There's a tremendous amount of books out there. I'm going to cover just a couple things here. Pandemia by Alex Berenson. He was uh, he's he's not a doctor, but he does research. He's researched for years on various pandemics and, and medical issues. Excellent, excellent book. Uh, a Plague on Our House by Dr. Scott Atlas. Tremendous, tremendous book. I'm not going to have time to get into a lot of it today, but but we will. Uh, at some point, and uh, an outstanding book by uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is a Democrat congressman or Democrat senator, and the name of the book is The Real Anthony Fauci. And I tell you what, if you want a definitive book on the criminality and the evilness behind Dr. Anthony Fauci, you got to have this book. Matter of fact, I think I'll do that. I'm going to start putting together a book list of the stuff I read. I mean, it's up to you, but I'll put that on the website, teampir.com, and uh, just the different books, whether it's just the Second Amendment type books and and, uh, self-defense books or issues like COVID, I'm going to put a book list on there. So you just click that and see what I'm reading. And if it's something you want to check out, then then you'll have a quick access to it. But in Kennedy's uh, book, it talks about a template this is about the AIDS virus. So this goes back to the 80s, and Fauci was involved here. That's when he kind of first hit the national scene, and this guy has been doing the same thing for all these years, and it's just amazing. He's got away with this through the government, and he's worked his way into these channels, and he's become the master of uh, cancel culture and authority, when the guy is actually nothing more than a, a than a dang criminal and, and a murderous uh, piece of crap, in my, my uh, opinion. And if you would dig into this book, the I mean, the, the first, oh, geez, I'm going to say that first 200 pages, 100 pages. If that's not enough for an indictment to put this dude in jail forever, then, then I don't know what is. But this going back to the AIDS epidemic, but in Kennedy's book, in Chapter 4 of uh, the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, He has in here what he calls Fauci's template, and his success at using the AIDS crisis to bring a deadly, toxic, and ineffective AIDS treatment drug, which is uh, called AZT, and you can read more about that, taught Dr. Fauci some key career lessons that he would faithfully repeat again and again and again throughout his long regime. During his battle to win FDA approval for AZT, now this is the AIDS treatment drug, Dr. Fauci pioneered the strategies upon which he would build his career, then showcase for the world during the COVID epidemic. And these include, and there's a long list of these, and see what this is, like I said, this is from the 80s, so see how, how this coincides with what's gone on for the last two years with COVID, okay? Pumping up pandemic fears to lay the groundwork for larger budgets and greater powers fear, there's that word, okay, incriminating an elusive pathogen, fanning hysteria by exaggerating disease transmissibility, periodically stoking waning fear levels by warning of mutant super strains and future surges. They're doing that today. They're doing that today with COVID. Suggesting substantial changes in how people live, ostensibly to save their lives. Social distance, wear a mask. Keeping the public and politicians engaged through confusing and contradictory pronouncements. A lot of what you've heard from the CDC and the government have been false. You think they've been, the only people been canceled and the only information that they have not quote-unquote allowed you to do thank you George Orwell and the Ministry of Truth is things that actually work and uh, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. we'll get back into that later, but uh, but they're doing it right now. They They are not allowing the truth to be out there. Who determines this? They should let the information out there, that's how it should be done. People should decide for themselves or at least be able to make educated decisions, all right? Using faulty PCR and antibody tests and manipulating epidemiology to inflate non-verifiable cases and death numbers to maximize the perception of an imminent calamity, ignoring and dismissing effective off-the-shelf therapeutic remedies. Should I say it again? Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and there's others, okay? Okay championing dangerous and ineffective drugs originating in government laboratories as the only winning solution to end the pandemic. Now, I'm reading this from the AIDS era. OK, this is what this is Fauci's template that he used during the AIDS. And he just there it is. It's the template. Bam. OK, something else we want to do. We want to control the people more. Well, this COVID thing, man, we can just use the same playbook because people probably don't even remember about the AIDS epidemic that much. And let's just get the, our fingers on these people. Let's get it done. Here's another one. funding and orchestrating confirmation biased research to validate his chosen remedy. And in this book, you will see how he is so interconnected to the pharmaceutical companies and the vaccine companies and and where this uh, follow the money, I guess, is the best way to put it, okay? And here, again, partnering with large pharmaceutical companies and giving his partners advantages in the race for approval, okay? Allowing preferred companies to skip key testing metrics, curtailing clinical trials to conceal severe safety and efficacy problems. You're seeing that right now. You're seeing uh, all these young folks, uh, you know, dropping over folks that have been vaccinated, okay? Here we go. Sabotaging, discrediting, and sweeping aside more effective therapies, antiretrovirals, off-the-shelf remedies, and non-patentable medicines that might compete with his new patented antivirals and vaccines. Subjecting competitive products to efficacy and safety studies that are designed to fail. Allowing thousands of sick patients to suffer and die by denying them access to demonstrably effective, competitive remedies by publicly protesting the existing remedies were not subject to randomized placebo testing, controlling the key independent committees, and that's all the you know the the uh, bureaucrats that approve and mandate any new drugs by populating them with his own pack, uh, excuse me handpicked PIs, which is pharmaceutical insiders. Presenting these agencies as independent and trustworthy experts, using the emergency use authorization to fast-track the concoctions through a rigged approval process to market, Using official government propaganda to market his concoctions. Employing science by press release to control narratives. There you go. Making exaggerated claims for the efficacy of his products. We're learning, uh, sadly, too late for some folks who have succumbed to these uh, these deadly vaccines. Using previous and ineffective post-marketing surveillance systems to conceal mass injuries and deaths from the public. Uh, you could look up the VAERS system in the reporting papering over all these testing deficiencies by crafting and promoting enduring narratives about the benefits, safety, and efficacy, citing quote-unquote leading experts to promote hypotheses that are practically never scientifically verified with peer-reviewed studies or appropriate controls, allowing pharmaceutical companies to charge Medicare government programs and insurance companies inflated prices bearing no relationship to cost. Oh, that's right. What did Biden say in the first segment? Uh, lower your costs. You just lower your costs. That's how you how you stop inflation, right? Ensuring that Research funding is restricted to projects supporting the dogma, excluding research into alternative hypotheses, and preventing debate and censoring dissenting voices in popular media, social media, and scientific publications, and promising ultimate salvation with vaccines. This was his template with the AIDS epidemic, which wasn't really as bad as they made it t- at that time because they created the fear. Okay, fear is going to come up again here in this conversation. But you can see every step of that template being utilized the last two years. And in addition, Dr. Fauci honed the skill of always speaking with authority, even when making contradictory assertions with no scientific basis, to rapidly reshape all government pronouncements into dogma, efficiently perpetuated into a quasi-religious manner by the media. And here you go, by repeatedly using these formulas for 50 years, Fauci directed his agency away from its core responsibility, basic research on infectious allergic and autoimmune diseases that have become epidemic since he took over NIAID and transformed his agency into a profit making appendage for himself and for big pharma. And then there was Dr. Scott Atlas, who, uh, was invited into the Trump administration. Or, and there's a little bit here from a, a book by uh, Dr. Scott Atlas uh, titled A Plague Upon Our House. And he was brought in for advice and consent. And guys, just it's another great book that if you just read it, just makes your head spin and wants to explode because he uncovers a lot of what was going on behind the scenes in these meetings and the, the uh, COVID task force and the pathetic Mike Pence running that thing. Just, I don't have time to get in the whole book. But again, that's another great book that you might want to check in. To. I'll have a link at the website. But in uh, chapter four, chapter eight, excuse me, on uh, Scott Atlas's book here, he says, as often happened. Now, this is actually when he first started getting into the uh, task force meetings and all this fun stuff behind, the, behind closed doors. And he writes here, as often happened, Fauci spoke up to support Dr. Burks's concerns, which if you read this book, and uh, she was another one I threw the BS flag on way back. Just a bizarre, evil, power hungry person. Okay, Uh, said saying as people need to be warned even more strongly about the dangers of the virus spreading. Now we're back into COVID era, away from the AIDS era. Okay, about wearing masks and distancing. He claimed Americans didn't think the virus was serious, and that was the reason cases spread. And you remember number four, the template, which was fanning hysteria by exaggerating disease transmissibility. And Atlas and Gazon says, I was honestly surprised. I thought people were already panic stricken Normal life had virtually ceased to exist, even eliminating serious medical care or last visits with dying family. Meanwhile, the media were on message 24-7, instructing the public about mass and social distancing. There were signs and announcements demanding mass and diagrams about distancing everywhere. Healthy young people were outside riding bicycles driving their cars alone wearing masks. Indeed, surveys showed most adults perceived grossly exaggerated risks, particularly but not only younger people. And yes, a high percentage were obeying the edicts, distancing, and wearing masks, according to virtually every published survey. And then Dr. Atlas says here to Fauci, said, I challenged him to clarify his point because I couldn't believe my ears. And here's a quote. He said, so you think people aren't frightened enough? And Fauci said, yes, they need to be more afraid. And Atlas says, to me, this was another moment of Kafka's absurdity. I replied, I totally disagree. People are paralyzed with fear. Fear is one of the main problems at this point, and inside I was also shocked at his thought process. As much as such an influential face of the pandemic, instilling fear in public is absolutely counter to what a leader in public health should do. To me, it's frankly immoral, although I kept that to myself. Dr. Atlas was told not to rock the boat constantly, constantly by Mike Pence and other folks in, in that uh, the quote unquote task force. And as he would go through these meetings and and present actual, facts and, uh, and data on the pandemic and, and what was happening truly and not, not happening in the medical field. They just continued to ignore him and just stuck with their, their dogma. And you can see following that template from the AIDS era, it's doing the same thing in order to control people's lives and to line their pockets with cash. And Atlas says here, My God, I thought truth did not matter one bit to these people. They had no shame when it came to achieving their goal. They lied and distorted the facts without any concern whatsoever about its effect. And then he said, regardless, he reminded himself what was really important. The Fauci-Burke's policies were implemented in almost every state, and those policies were destroying the country, literally killing people. When I entered a task force meeting, I would now consider these people in an entirely different light. And Alex Berenson, in his book Pandemia, he writes, Pseudoscience and panic had driven every aspect of our response to the pandemic, including mask mandates. Encouraging people to wear masks was very different than requiring them. If people wanted to try to protect themselves, even in a pointless way, so be it. If government wanted to make people hide their faces from one another, it needed a good reason. And it didn't have one. That's Alex Berenson. And the fact that Fauci over these years has developed into this, uh, he knows no wrong, he is the lord of the of the diseases. And basically, well, he's the lord of the government because he is the highest paid employee in the entire federal government. He gets to, uh, uh, whatever he says, people don't question And uh, the folks, the media, uh, the bureaucrats, anybody, even some of the medical profession that, quote unquote, canceled out folks, uh, social media is pathetic. I mean, it's it's bad. They're the ones, that, they're still responsible for thousands and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of deaths. And one of the people that got quote unquote canceled was the actual, one of the original inventors of the mRNA technology, vaccine technology. And he saw early on the problem with the vaccines. Now, I'll have to say this. Okay, I was, a I am still a a, a Donald Trump supporter. Uh, the Operation Warp Speed thing, there could have been a lot more done to that. I think there was a lot of mistakes made in that uh, in that administration when uh, Fauci was out there spewing his BS and, and the scarf lady Dr. Burks, was doing the same thing. Trump should have fired them. They should have been fired, but of course politics came into play and his advisors and everybody started. You know, you can't rock the boat. You do that, it's bad for politics. Blah blah blah. So I do lay some blame at the feet of Donald Trump for not being the the uh, the leader that he typically can be, and he just steps in. His instincts are normally right on just about everything when it comes to this stuff, but he let the bureaucrats and the advisors keep him from, or kind of curtail him from doing what was right. So I do lay some blame at the feet of those folks right there. But Dr. Malone, and this uh, this article, this is off his substack. It'll be in the uh, in the notes on the podcast page at the website. Uh, this is the CDC. Some information is coming out. New York Times, of all places, actually has written some an article uh, back in February 21st about CDC hiding data, and instead of going into the whole thing here by myself, I'm just going to play you an interview that uh, Robert Malone did with Steve Bannon on The War Room, which is uh, really good. He kind of explains where this all came from, and here's Dr. Malone.
5: Uh, Lucky enough to be able to get Dr. Malone. Dr. Malone, New York Times had this headline, uh, Gateway Pundit pick up. You have a beautiful analysis we'll put up right now on your substack CDC withholding evidence concerning COVID vaccine safety is scientific fraud. And it comes from a New York Times headline that the CDC isn't publishing large portions of the COVID data it collects. This almost sounds Orwellian. What what is exactly going on about this data, the data sets that CDC has, sir?
3: So, uh, we have uh, the, the my colleagues at the Global COVID Summit Group, including Ryan Cole, have been carefully watching the data. As you know, for years, of, you know, well over a year now, coming onto your show and raising concerns. And we've all been attacked by the media for doing so, and by social media. And now we see the smoking gun: the CDC has been hiding data from all of us. And I think what's going on here is they're getting out ahead, there's a good chance they're trying to get out ahead of a, of a whistleblower or something like that at CDC that's about to blow this open. And because if you read through it, what the New York Times is trying to do is obfuscate and soft pedal this news, but it is a bombshell. Let me just read you a quote. This is, this is coming from Samuel Scarpino, who's basically a surrogate in the non-governmental sector He works for the Rockefeller Foundation, okay? Here's what he says, quote, the CDC is a political organization as much as it is a public health organization. Well, if that isn't a mic drop, I don't know what is. And then he says, the steps it takes to get something like this released are often well outside of the control of many of the scientists that work at the CDC. Here's my translation. An NGO spokesperson for the official public health stance is throwing Rochelle Walensky under the bus, saying the politicians have forced us to commit scientific fraud. This is scientific fraud.
5: but, But hang on, hang on, hang on. It's even more brutal. And what you pull from the New York Times, I want to read from the New York Times itself, cited in your article. This is a quote. Two full years into the pandemic, the agency leading the country's response to the public health emergency has published only a tiny fraction of the data it has collected. Several people familiar with the data said much of the withheld information could help state and local health officials better target their efforts to bring the virus under control, end quote. Dr. Malone, what the heck does that mean? When they mean? I thought they were supposed to put up all their data. That was the point of the CDC, Dr. Malone.
1: And there, there you have in that quote there, much of the withheld information could help state and local health officials better target their efforts to bring the virus under control. We'll go back to this. Scott Atlas talks about this in his book, Alex Berenson does in his book. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. does so in his book. The the real Anthony Fauci. Early treatment. Early treatment was the way to go. And and also you know and treat the, the vulnerable, the elderly population. That is where all this should happen. They stopped it. Look at these people that were putting in my home state. Our our, our governor. Uh, Tom Wolf, what a piece of garbage that guy is, putting people back into nursing homes. And, you know, look at Cuomo up in uh, up in New York. What a what another loser. These people are responsible for killing folks. Early treatments, ivermectin worked. I don't care what Terry Bradshaw is an ass. Let me just put it that way. Hydroxychloroquine. You got it. This stuff worked. It was proven to work and it was effective. It was cost effective. And all they wanted to do was, and if you read these books, you will see, like I said, if you read the first hundred pages of Anthony, or I mean of uh, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, there, there's enough material in there uh, to indict Tony Fauci on murder charges for all these misinformation and misleading things he's done. This has to stop and it is stopping now. Like, it's like I was mentioning with the truckers early on. They've pushed too far and the truth is finally coming out now I didn't buy this crap from the beginning I didn't buy any of it. Well, you know, other than, yeah, we have an issue here. But as soon as I start seeing which direction they were going with this, with your government and your shutdowns and all these regulations, and you can't do this, and who the heck determines if my business is essential or not, this stuff is finally coming around, and people need to be held accountable because people have destroyed lives. They've killed people. They've destroyed families. And it's all because of a bunch of BS from the government, and too many dang people follow along and are still following along. And it's disgusting, and it's time it stops. and here's the rest of that clip.
3: This is scientific fraud. They have been, it, it is, this is the next chapter in this noble lie story, and it's not noble. They're admitting that they've been lying to us by withholding data, just the same as Tony Fauci has lied to us again and again about flattening the curve, mask use, what it's going to take to reach herd immunity. It just goes on and on. And now we find out that the underlying data that the medical community has been relying on. The data that has been used to justify the attacks that we've had from our licensing boards, all of this blowback we've had, the censorship on Twitter, the censorship on Facebook, and and all of these attacks we've had on the press have been all because the CDC has been hiding the data that would verify what we've been saying all the way along, including on your broadcast.
5: Hold on, I want to say one thing. Hey, doctor, it's one thing to be deplatformed. It's another thing to be harassed on t- Twitter. Dr. Ryan Cole and these heroes have actually, they're, they're starting the process to de-license, to take away their practice, to take away their livelihood, and quite frankly, to break that trust between a patient and doctor. Dr. Malone.
3: Yeah, they tried to take my license too. They've tried to take Peter McCullough's license. It goes on and on. They took Merrill Nass's license. Uh, it has is, it is swept the whole world, and it's based on scientific fraud.
5: But I want to make sure I understand that this is the way information warfare works. You can see from this article in the Times, because there's sources, you believe people at CDC understand they have a massive problem are now trying to get ahead of this, to say, oh, that's already been reported. We already knew they didn't put the data. Is that You're saying the New York Times story is part of information warfare to get ahead of this catastrophic uh, the consequences of this, which is catastrophic because you and Dr. Cole and others are coming for him. Is that basically what I hear?
3: I, I think that there, this reads, it is clearly an attempt by the New York Times to get out ahead of this story and to, to soft play it. But I, I think that what this may be foreshadowing is that there is a data leak or a whistleblower. And I got to say, if you're a scientist working at the CDC below these bureaucrats, and you've been holding your tongue, you got two choices. You can either be a witness or you can be a defendant. And you now is the time. You've got to come clean or deal with the consequences.
1: And it's time they dealt with the consequences. A lot of them, the whole freaking bunch of them. OK, and as he wraps up that little his Substack article, he says, let's remember where this started. We have been manipulated from the very start of this pandemic. The government has been deciding what has been written, removed, censored by media and the big tech giants. This is propaganda. The evidence above makes it crystal clear that the government has been manipulating data from the start. And talk show host, the host of Jesse Kelly, uh, the Jesse Kelly Show, pretty much wraps it up.
6: Let's stop sending each, seeing each other as enemies start seeing each other for who we are. No.
4: I'm starting to hear this a lot now from media people. I'm hearing it from Joe Biden. I'm hearing it from Democrats. I'm hearing it from jellyfish Republicans. I'm hearing this a lot now. Let's set this down. Let's lay down our swords. Let's come together. Let's heal the divisions. We don't have to be partisan. We don't have to point fingers. We don't have to make enemies. Screw you. I remember two years of pandemic's all my fault. I remember two years of children in this country, some of them still having to walk around with some stupid piece of cloth over their faces, can't talk to their friends, can't understand their teachers. I remember two years of people sending me videos and pictures of kids sobbing over their laptops at home while politicians who were putting these things into place were out partying up with their friends. Woohoo! Party time, baby! Hey, kids. Sorry. Gotta go home. Social distancing. I remember Joe Rogan, he puts out a little video, I got COVID, I was sick, I took ivermectin, I got better. And you know what I remember? I remember the system, including the FDA, making fun of him for it and telling everyone in this country not to maybe experiment with a successful treatment for a deadly disease. I remember everyone claiming it was horse dewormer. I remember all of you scumbags taking away life-saving treatments like Regeneron after you took it. You got coronavirus and took it. And then you took it away from innocent people. Don't you ever try to tell me we're not enemies. Don't you ever try to tell me to heal some divide, bridge the divide. Let's make peace up yours. We are enemies. I want the divide. I want the divide longer and wider than it's ever been before. I want to be as separated as far from you pieces of trash as the east is from the west. I don't want to reside in the same state as you, the same country as you. I don't want you on the same planet as me, pandemic of the unvaccinated. Roll that up and shove it where you know where.
6: It's a lot of bullshit. It's
1: now or it's never I'll be right back Wow, that's a lot of stuff. We'll wrap her up with a little bit of stuff on the country music scene here. Some of you may or may not know, but tonight, actually, the day I'm putting this there, the evening I'm putting this thing together, it is the 57th Academy of Country Music Awards or uh, otherwise known, formerly known as the ACM Awards. And it is going to be live-streamed on Prime Video. Probably the first time it hasn't actually been in or on a broadcast network, as far as I can remember. And uh, it's going to be at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. OK, now here's something after all that we just talked about and the bogus information. And actually, we didn't get in. We didn't even scratch the pimple on a nat's backside on all the stuff that's been out there. That's coming out now about, uh, you know, the, the vaccines and the efficacy and the hazards of the vaccines and the mass and a and, and whole load of crap. OK, but here's the funny. I, I found this out. The event details for the ACMs tonight in Allegiant Stadium. OK which is a rather large venue, you must have proof of vaccination. The event organizer is requiring that all attendees be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 at least two weeks prior to the show date to attend this event. All attendees must show proof of full vaccination. What happened to HIPAA laws, by the way, it's nobody's business. It's nobody's business. But uh, you must show proof of full vaccination by registering with the CTEH, to receive a blue screen verification. Now doesn't that sound nice? How about just a mark of the beast on your on your on your butt for them to take a look at? How about that? CTH blue screen vaccine verification must be presented for entry. It is strongly recommended that guests pre-register with CTEH prior to arriving on site by clicking here. You would not see me at that venue ever. And these people, if they're requiring the vaccines, if somebody that has the vaccine that is required to have that vaccine to attend this event, my curiosity would be if that person drops over dead from uh, resulting from some of the issues with the vaccine, will they be held responsible for forcing them to do it? Which, of course, you are still free somewhat in this country. So if you don't want to go, then you just don't take the vaccine and you don't go, which would be my preference. But another curious thought was I wonder how many of the today's superstars, country superstars, are actually vaccinated and who will be uh, exempt from having to provide all of this stuff, okay? And it says here, all guests, now here we go, this is where it really gets to the bottom of the barrel here. All guests must be fully vaccinated regardless of age, even though it's not good for kids. Partially vaccinated and or unvaccinated guests, including children five and under, are not permitted. Number 1, who would take a kid under 5 to an event like that, but that's beside the point, but anyhow. These these people, this is just I I got it. That's what I'm going to do with that. Just, I don't even think I'm going to watch a stupid thing, because uh, mostly uh, uh, traditional countries is uh, long over, which, of course, if we look at today in country music uh, on this day in 1973, here's kind of a little bit of trivia. You all know the movie, well, a lot of you do, the movie Deliverance and the dueling Banjos. That was, uh, it was awarded a gold record on this day in 1973. So dueling Banjos, it's the only instrumental, the first instrumental that, that had ever been, uh, done for. And in 1980, one of my, a film I love, a movie I love, Coal Miner's Daughter, which of course is the biography of Loretta Lynn and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. What do you think about that stuff, Tommy Lee? He was uh, Doolittle. That was uh, he played uh, Loretta Lynn's husband in in the movie. And so I'm wondering what Doolittle Lynn would think about the vaccine mandates and all that stuff at uh, at the ACMs tonight. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's probably exactly what he would say. But uh, it was a great movie uh, with Beverly D'Angelo and Sissy Spacek. They actually both did the singing, the vocal portions of that. They, they didn't; uh, It wasn't dubbed in. They actually did the, the, the actual singing. I thought they did a great job. So uh, cheers to them on Coleman's Miner's Daughter. Good, I love the movie. It's a good movie, good family movie. Then there's just a quick rundown. Just, just for the heck of it, I start punching up. Okay, March 7th. I uh, wonder what the number one song on this day was. In 1960, Jim Reeves, he'll have to go. Tremendous, tremendous song. 1970, Sonny James was at the top today with It's Just a Matter of Time. Ten years later, 1980, Waylon, he had a song, I Ain't Living Long Like This, and that was number one in 1980 on this day. 1990, the Oak Ridge Boys had a song, No Matter How High, uh, was number one. 2000, it was Tim McGraw, My Best Friend. In 2010, Josh Turner, Why Don't We Just Dance, was number one. And just here, two years ago, in 2020, Dan and Shay and Justin Bieber. (laughs) Look how we've fallen over the years. Uh, Ten thousand hours—the name of their song—it was number one on this day in 2020. So, anyhow, boy, that's a lot of stuff today, folks. It's because it's been so long since I put one together. And like I said, I just when I when I say, man, it's time to, to get a, a podcast put together. And there's just so much information that's coming at us so fast, and the things, the tables are turning. We got we got the war the Russia and Ukraine, and, and we've got the convoy, which I love. Uh, we got all this stuff happening, and and all the facts and all the stuff is starting to spill out about the COVID and the. Phoniness and the government and the control—it just—it uh, just piled up, and I thought, well, I'm going to try to get something done today. Hopefully, next time I'll, I'll we'll, uh, be able to uh, to get it out a little more timely. But anyhow, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you know, one of the uh, the places you do your podcasts, whether it's iHeartRadio or Spotify or Pandon- uh, yeah, yeah, Pandonic, Pandora, uh, pod the Podbean app, Google Podcast. If you click a like on that, I'd appreciate that, and uh, definitely touch base with us. Check out teampir.com because we got to have some stuff there all the all the links and everything to the articles and the videos that I, that I had today will be on the uh, on the podcast tab there we're also going to have some new merch coming out if you actually go to a website called nobetas no sheep. It'll take you to the same. It actually will link you to my Politically Incorrect Redneck uh, website, but we're going to have some t-shirts available because this is the time This is in this country, no betas, no sheep. We need men, we need real men, real women to step up, take our country back because that's the only way we're going to get her done. So until next time, I hope you all have a great day. Be safe out there. If you're, if you're uh, carrying uh, and you're packing some heat uh, to protect yourself and your family, we'll just make sure that you're doing it safely. Get some training. We'll talk about that more in the, in, the, in the future, too. So God bless you all. Have a great, great week, and then uh, we will catch you next time, Romans 10, 9.
0: Please help me out and tell me, what's the BC way to say, kiss my hey I wonder who these people are that sit around all day. Up this list of words We can and cannot say They got everybody thinking That this should be the law Well, I've read the First Amendment And I know my rights, y'all you Call me simple-minded Well, ain't that what you expect From this free-thinking beer Drinking politically incorrect Redneck oh, I tell the